The Walk the Mile podcast is produced on Gadigal land. I acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which Skeg Starlinghurst stands, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and pay my respects to Elders past and present. May our reconciliation be an ongoing process of love and compassion. Hello everyone, I'm Gary Lee Lindsay, school chaplain at Skeggs Darlinghurst, and you're listening to Walk the Mile, a podcast that opens up conversations that we need to have. Hello everyone, and thank you for listening to walk the mile again it's always good to have people listening to us talking about all sorts of stuff and today not sure where we're going to go with this conversation (laughs) we have our head of visual arts Heidi Jackson how are you Heidi I'm very well thanks Gary that's good good to have you here how long have you been working at Skeeks for us well you've been the head of visual arts for how long I assumed that role in 2020 2020, so three years. Uh, yes, and I've been at Skeggs since the year 2000. Wow. Yeah. What's kept you here, do you reckon? Uh, it's a great question, and I would probably say there's a number of factors that all coalesce into, like, the perfect teaching conditions. Yeah, right. And I'd say, as we were before we went on air, talking about a community uh, it's it's quite remarkable I think to sometimes think well I look forward to going to work I think a lot of people might not have the, uh, the luxury the luxury of, of waking up every morning and thinking I'm, I'm eager to get in and get started oh, that's nice so I think what's kept me here is I have I have incredible colleagues. I have I have a lovely sense of relationships, deep, really authentic, meaningful relationships with my colleagues, and and then the broader, you know, teaching staff and the classroom where kids are uh, loving learning. They're they're interested in you know scholarly pursuits. They enjoy our subject. They're adventurous. They're open-minded. I mean that is just incredible. Um, you know, great leadership. We have a, a community that's <clears throat> built on fantastic principles that I really strongly believe in, and the vision of the school really aligns with my own sense of leading a, a principled life. Uh, I, I just think it's a special place. Mm, oh, good on you. You're talking about your colleagues, and I know in the art department there hasn't been, well, since I've been here, and I've been here a little bit shorter than you, <laughs> um, there hasn't been much change in terms of staffing uh, and it seems like a very close unit in terms of, I know that you know, you even exhibit some of your art together as yeah. well. Yeah, got a show coming up in uh, mid-June Great. and with Anita and Katrina who was the former head of department. Right. Uh, so yeah, I think 
often I, I kind of I, I query this idea that you should be constantly moving in your career and trying to seek out different opportunities and, and research says that people will have multiple positions and yeah. multiple different institutions yeah. and I think partly my my early childhood because I was constantly moving with my family I have a a great love of stability and being right. anchored somewhere and right. I think the chemistry in the art department is quite unique I, I think to have worked with people for 20 years um, and even our newest members of the department Louise and Louisa who, who are both old girls who have joined the department in the last five years that it is about I suppose a, a mutual respect a great love of what we do a sense of collaborating is is something that is just so enjoyable mm. uh, there's no competitive kind of uh, danger it's it's really is a, a very unified and we all we all have the a, the same kind of sense of mm. loving our jobs I that's guess. great yeah because you could have couldn't you i'm guessing egos could get involved well, it's natural, isn't it, in groups that some people might want to assert in themselves. In groups, yeah. And also, because I'm thinking in terms of art, whether it be visual arts or music or whatever, you're creating and people will, you know, appreciate your, your product and say certain things and, you know, there's, it'd, it'd be, I don't know, you tell me, because I'm not an artist. <laughs> Still time. <laughs> We'll get onto that later. <laughs> but, well, I guess what I was going to say is how do you, or do you think you can translate what you're talking about, you know, the, the collegiality and all of that to other places? Or does it have to do with producing art? Because you're all, if you don't mind me saying, you know, I see the art department as fairly relaxed and... <laughs> <laughs> Yet intensely rigorous and <laughs> rigorous and you know, wearing flowers in their hair time. <laughs> uh, well I think creative people can be stereotyped as kind of being you know, border borderline, you know, kind of I I don't like how our subject does sometimes uh come across as 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 not a valuable academic pursuit yeah, right. i mean it's an intensely rigorous important part of life creative endeavor mm, mm. and i had a, an opportunity to write an article about broadly you know the importance of art and visual literacy and and creativity for thinking aloud and behind the green gate and it was it was a great chance to really distill this the, the things I feel that are important in life is to obviously have satisfying, fulfilling relationships. I cannot imagine my life without creative practice in it. Mm. I mean, I just, I find the state of being when you're making art is just extraordinary. It's one, it's one moment when the rest of the world drops away yeah. and you are intent only on the task at hand, which in my yeah. case is painting what colour will come next, how will the composition kind of form. and um, So it's very intuitive, 
highly satisfying, very rewarding. Yet being an artist is also very lonely because it's it's something you do on your own. So I think teaching is a great counterpoint to that because it is so social. Yeah, right. And I love the relationships and the contact with kids and you know coming into a, a place where which is humming with activity and Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that the subject itself allows for those types of relationships built with kids and with other staff and yeah I do I think we have certainly in our practical classes the flexibility to talk um, it's quite active you know kids will be up moving around there's a sense of um, I think the natural uh, you know conversations arise out of the work at hand or just just the I think just because we're not tied to moving through our content in a very formal way so I think a lot of other teachers often remark on that you know the art department get to know their kids yeah. really well or, or kids tend to um, share with us things about their yeah. lives or, yeah. and also through the tasks that we often set it's very personal it's the kids giving visual form to their inner ideas or their experiences their mm. family mm. their their identity so it's a wonderful opportunity in that regard. And I, I've sort of picked that up a little bit because as you were talking about your own, uh, your own painting, mm-hmm. and how when you're in that, in that space, you're sort of removed from the world, and it's almost another. It's almost a, you know, a metaphysical sort of spiritual element where you're creating. Well, you're not, would you say you're, I know you said, you know, you're thinking about the next colour, but are you thinking it or do you feel it? Like I play music and I can feel, I'm not telling my fingers where to go. Yeah, it's highly intuitive. Highly intuitive. And And, sorry to interrupt, but I think what the scientists or the educational psychologists will say is it's a state of flow or there's various terms attributed to that state of being when you are just immersed in a in a process i love that you've mentioned music although i'd say it's the same for perhaps uh, writing Mm. mathematical formulas whatever it is that requires intense concentrated focus on just one thing and you can't get lost in yeah yeah right so you're saying it's therapeutical for you in some ways or has it been therapeutic Definitely. I mean, there's great reward in in making something. Yeah. And when you make something that you feel is beautiful or other people regard as having value, um, and you're constantly discovering things through your creative work. Yeah. And that is just enormously pleasurable. Discovering things about yourself, discovering things about... <clears throat> what you can do? Yeah, I think both of those things. Uh, what I often say to the kids is that, you know, when we start a task, you're starting with a blank sheet of paper or you're starting with a blank canvas, whatever it is, or a lump of clay. And then within the end of a lesson or the end of a week or the end of a term, that kind of tabula rasa, you know, the blank slate has become formed into something quite 
remarkable. Mm. So that alchemy of art making, you know, turning something from one state to another, mm. is magical. Yeah. I notice a lot of your paintings that I've seen are landscapes, is that right? Oh yeah, yeah. So there are quite a few mountains. Um, I'm guessing they're places in New Zealand? Yes. Because that's where you're from? Correct. <laughs> Maybe my accent might start to... <laughs> there'll be a couple of words in this recording and they'll say, ah, that's... No, I actually think you've lost your accent. Ah, oh, I've got to get back and keep, keep <laughs> it up. Go back there. Not, not for long, just the holiday. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Is that a conscious thing? Oh, absolutely, Gary. Why is that? Well, I think when you grow up in a place like New Zealand, which I did until I was about 12, and then moved to Canberra. <laughs> which is a whole other story. But I think when you grow up in a natural environment that is uh, so elemental, just so wild, and, yeah. and you often find yourself in New Zealand, and certainly when I was a kid, in the landscape on your own. Like the, It's not like you, you were sharing and walking through a deep valley, fording a river, and you'd be, often be on your own. And so there's something so remarkable about those formative experiences. And I used to complain bitterly. We were, what we used to do as a family is go tramping, which is what New Zealanders call bushwalking. All right. <laughs> and they said, I'm Thanks for the uh, qualification <laughs> there, because it could be a whole bunch of other things. <laughs> tramping along. So you'd... you'd leave on a Saturday morning, you drive out into some remote location. I don't know how it was chosen. And then you'd spend all day walking through the landscape. And so you might be surrounded by just the sheer scale, I think, of New Zealand. You know, you really feel that sense of the awesome, just presence of nature mm. and I'd be complaining and saying oh it's muddy it's <laughs> raining you know, there'd be like all sorts of things that a child would find arduous and irritating but interestingly later in life you think that's sufficient you know like yeah. you know I'm yeah. sure lots of people would say I need to go get away I need to go away I need to yeah. get somewhere where I can immerse myself in nature and that is that's got a really spiritual yeah it's revives you connects you to creation connects you to yeah just just the order yes of things in some not not we've created but just the things that that are inexplicable Mm -hmm. and i guess sorry i'm putting too many words into your mouth no it's i think you're absolutely understanding something that probably happens to you as well Mm. and just when you're a painter or an artist um you your subject of course is something that is something important to you yeah and so um the interesting thing happened when i tried to write about it a few years ago you know for for my website you have to kind of try and engage people with your with your process and i was saying well what it does the landscape is it is a metaphor really for home like i always think of new zealand as my is my home even though i've lived in australia for much longer and it's it's substantial and kind of very um it's hard to put into words but it just it it feels like home 
Yeah, and what does home mean for you then? So it, it feels like home. What does, obviously that's important to you, so what does that give you in your painting, in your expression? You're expressing something about yourself. What does that mean to you? I think it's memories of sensations, like, right. like the sense of, because there's no way I'd go back and live in New Zealand ever. <laughs> no way. <laughs> So it isn't really like a home where you where I feel I'm going to live my life. That's clearly Sydney. I love Sydney. What an incredible environment to live in. But maybe it's the the making permanent those kind of fleeting memories of being a, a kid in yeah, the right. bush and some sense of just elation or yeah, freedom. Freedom. Yeah complete satisfaction and that's something I'm trying to instill in my own kids is like you don't need much to be completely and totally fulfilled like if you can feel the wind on your face or you dive (coughs) into the ocean you walk through a very beautiful forest I mean these things act on you they're so important yeah yeah and they're sufficient yeah being sufficient I'm hearing a little bit of what you're saying to do with identity as well. So you talk about home, you talk about your history and the, the feelings that you got with it and here you are, you know, a number of years later and sort of re, reconjuring, if that's a word, conjuring those yeah. thoughts back again. So it has something to do about you and how you understand yourself. Do you ever go down that path in terms of you know, as you say, some of the students, they'll present an artwork and it's something about what they're feeling or they're thinking about. Do you ever have those sorts of discussions with kids about how they identify with their artwork? Absolutely. I think that's the great, uh, the central role of an art teacher is to help kids give form to their, to their feelings or to their experiences mm. in a way that... Uh, you know, then goes on to connect to an audience who come and view their work. And to do it perhaps in a really subtle way, but a complex way, um, to, to enjoy that opportunity to record, uh, memorialise, um, mm. <clears throat> revisit uh, the same types of things that I make art about <clears throat> or perhaps to just work in a very uh, free you know lots of our kids choose abstraction as a yeah. as a way of working in their yeah. senior years and that too is just I mean to, to come into a room and you have materials that you then play with and what may happen especially with the kids who choose abstraction is is hard to know and that's that's i think a process that i'd love kids to feel more comfortable with because too often we want to know what is the outcome or what's going to right happen or what will this look like i mean that's inherently what it is to be human isn't it yeah so certainty (laughs) yeah so you're sort of saying rather than so saying okay they've got this idea of what they're going to create and mm. how it's going to be at the end. 
and in that do you lose some of the process letting them just go through is process is essential that's yeah. right and saying be comfortable with that yeah, right. because who knows yeah. and you, you can never predict and, and that's difficult for especially you know adolescents yeah. and also for us too because it's a bit more black and white for them or yeah I think everyone wants certainty don't they yeah yeah to know yeah yeah but you don't, and I guess that's the thing, isn't it? That uh, you can only know what you know. It's a, lot, <laughs> it's a lot we don't know. There's so much we and don't. When you're creating, you can have a, have a vision or a picture, but mm. I suppose art's a way of working that out as well, like yeah. trying to make sense of of uh, you know why why things are the way they are, why you feel certain ways why you relate to certain places or things or objects in certain ways. Mm. I mean, I would never, ever think of a moment in my life where I would say, right, that's it. It's when over. You do art yeah, again. never. Do you know people like that? You know <clears throat> yeah. Artists like that? I've got a friend I went to art school with and um, we um, holiday together quite a bit with our kids. And she said, oh, you're having another exhibition, I see. And I said, yeah, yeah. And she said, mm, she said, well, uh, it's just kind of something I made when I was younger. Right. <laughs> and I think it is a lot. Yeah. Uh, like that for many people. Yeah, like right. it's just like a thing you go through, like yeah. wearing particular types of clothes. But, this, or, but for you, it's, it's part of you. Yeah. And what a bonus it is that you can do it as a profession. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Did you always want to be a teacher of art? No, I wanted to be an artist and um, I talked about this with Lily Stromlin who's our art assistant in an old girl and she was a, my HSC student and when talking about this when we're going home together we carpool on a couple of days and we were talking about, she says a lot of kids in her year, she graduated in 2012 and now, so what's that, 10 years ago yeah. and now in careers that they feel not entirely satisfied with because there was a uh, perhaps a, a pathway or a trajectory yeah. kind of set for them yeah. and they've tried that and it's been I wish I'd done something that makes me happy mm. it's been a really interesting conversation to have with Lily so a lot of them are leaving their first iterations of their yep. career and moving into quite different fields of work but ones that do make them happier so for me I mean I went straight to art school finished my degree came to Sydney because Canberra mm. not, not much to do once you've finished studying there <laughs> there's the rugby oh god it's the and I came to Sydney and I, then I got a job in a glass studio as a lucky break. Um, but I wanted to be an artist. And no one had said in my life, you can't do that. Right. Because I had a family that was themselves very much in, in creative fields of mm -hmm. work. And Lily was saying this too. She came from a, um, a family who said, you can be an artist. Why don't you mm. just try? And yeah. you know, she has a twin brother. He went on to study ballet, and she is now a, a very successful 
fine art fine artist but of course like I mentioned earlier it's lonely mm. I found it was lonely working mm. on my own mm. and also you can't really sustain uh, it's just there's not you have to find some way of generating a, yeah. a regular income yeah that's interesting isn't it because I was thinking how do you how do you give worth to art how do I visualize I'm just thinking of some people that I know and they've got this canvas in their they showed me when they first bought it and it was quite expensive but this canvas in their lounge room and it's red (laughs) (laughs) does it go with the couch? (laughs) (laughs) oh no it's lovely (laughs) it's it's worth thousands of dollars right? now me personally I'm not judging that at all maybe I am but me personally, I wouldn't pay thousands of dollars for a red piece of canvas. But, I mean, maybe there's no answer. Maybe, it, obviously, if, a, if an artist is popular and is known, that gives worth to it. Mm-hmm. But if I, was, if I was to, this afternoon, paint a picture... Yeah. And you should. Tried to <laughs> I've got a busy afternoon, <laughs> If I was to paint a picture and... Um, <clears throat> put a price on it mm-hmm. you know would can people buy it would people buy it just because of what it looks like would, you know how do you give worth to that oh we study this uh, at certain points in our coursework here at Skeggs it's a fascinating dilemma isn't it because value can be attributed as you've uh, mentioned through a name mm. so some people will say right that artist everyone's saying bye 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 Mm. like you know so it's an investment it's an investment it's a commodity Mm. it's a valuable object that will you know be they'll be proud to invite people around to look at it it may accrue you know further value over time so there's a monetary aspect to the art world but i think people have to trust themselves i mean you with the red canvas you had an immediate response to that which was like it's just not speaking to me right (laughs) I was looking for the little picture in the corner, maybe. <laughs> and you've got to trust yourself. And I think this is the thing. People feel uh, they can't give themselves permission to either like or dislike things they come into contact with. Mm. Yeah, it's an immediate thing with art, I mm. think. You go into a gallery, you're drawn to some things. Other things, you're just like, oh, that's just... There's yeah. nothing in that for me. Yeah, right. But then on the other side, as a teacher, I guess, you know, you have to mark people's artworks. Oh, yeah. How do you do that in a in a fair, uh, you know, giving it some sort of worth? Mm. Like if I handed in, you know, a piece of paper with a cross on it and said, "Here, yeah, this is my yeah conceptual abstract." <laughs> it's my donkey. We get asked that all the time, Gary, and I think it's a fair. You want to take that? Yeah, we'll stop. <laughs> okay. What was I asking? So you were saying, yeah, we can how do you mark art? Yes, okay. of course. That's a very, um, it's an expected question, and it's this is the way it goes. And it's actually really very well scaffolded the way you mark art. There's, there's, in teaching art at high school, you've got a conceptual element to art, and you've got a material element to art. So the idea and the way the idea is represented through materials so 
when you have strong, well-developed, meaningful, uh, sophisticated ideas and equally a student who's managing the materials that they're working with in that manner as well, then the work will be successful. So it's, it's really looking at how well, what has the student set out to achieve mm -hmm. and how well have they managed to do that? Right, okay. And so there are, there are, you know, I think the artworks that come out of the Skeg's art department are extraordinary. There's one thing that really defines, I think, our work as teachers, and that's been able to find for each student a way of representing their work, their ideas, uh, to find their unique voice in the process. So w when you come to the exhibitions, whether they be in, you know, like, we've got a whole lot of Year 7 portraits that have just come in, or, or the HSC exhibition, each student is feeling, well, I've, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm trying to make sense of my idea and I'm trying to use materials in the best way I can. And to some people that's quite natural yeah. and that they have a natural kind of affinity. Others work really hard over a number of years to refine those skills and they incrementally improve. So we have a set of criteria that we're looking for. Yeah, of course. And, um, and it's helpful because mm. it's it's not just a subjective thing like yeah. I like that or I don't like that. Yeah. But do you get feedback where people go, well, how come I did my piece and I only got eighty percent? Yeah, this other girl she did the red canvas and she got hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Not often, right? Which I good. think is really wonderful because I think the kids feel through the feedback that we give them, which is of course our focus. We give really extensive feedback is we thank them for their efforts. Yeah, right. We see that they are working, striving for excellence. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, sometimes it's a bit yeah. difficult to achieve that early yeah. on. And so that encouragement to continue to persevere, I see it in my yeah. own work. You were talking before, uh, and you said a couple of times, in fact, that being an artist can be a lonely existence, a lonely place. Is that a is that a pained sort of loneliness, or is it a I like I'll go and paint because I want to be alone? <laughs> Do you know it's changed. It's such a good question because when I was in my early twenties, I just I I didn't like being in the studio on my own. I wanted right. to have contact. Yeah, conversations to, going on while you're doing it. That's right. Now the age I am now, with a family and yeah. working full time. I love it. Right. If the house is empty on a Friday, Friday afternoon is the best time for me to paint. Really? I often come home, everyone's out yeah. until about seven. Yeah. And I just set up and I'm just, I'm just, In it's just wonderful. So yeah. now I love it. I love right. the solitude. I love the time to just devote to that yeah. entirely. Yeah. What do you think that is? Because I feel a bit the same way. I've, I've sort of melded into enjoying my own space mm. more as I've got older. What, how do you think that's developed for you? Well, you're a parent and also working in a school and the things that attracted me to schools in the first place, you know, the, the social nature, the 
the community, the the kind of the energy of schools as as communities of people can also be really exhausting. Mm. And I think as teachers, we're constantly making decisions. We're listening mm. all day, every day to yeah. our students, our colleagues. So there's an intensity about being present for people that I think is rewarding, but also I think solitude is the is what tempers that. So coming yeah. home and not, I often say occasionally, not often, but I often say to my family, I just, I just don't want to speak. I just kind of want to, <laughs> just don't want to speak to you. No, I don't say it like that. <laughs> I can't imagine it. Uh, but I think you have to have enormous reserves yeah. as a parent and a teacher. Uh, to engage with people yeah. authentically. And so, yeah, I think... Um, Need to switch off sometimes. I think it's important. And yeah. that's the, you know, coming back to the natural world. I mean, my ideal holiday is one I've just had. You know, you take off up to Seal Rocks um, and I tell my kids there's no internet there. Um, there is, but <laughs> they, they kind of get it. They're still... <laughs> not listening to this. <laughs> it, it is only a matter of time before they just find the code or whatever. And um, we just pair everything back. It's just like we do a lot of sleeping, eating great food, swimming, watching a film together. I mean, that yeah. is my ultimate kind of yeah. contrast to... And if you can have that, which we are lucky to have as teachers, that I often think, gosh, for people who are working, you know, 50 weeks a year, mm. um, how does that work for them? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That whole simple way of life and, well, that, that not necessarily simple way of life, but a simple view of life, that obviously, again, going back to identity, how you express yourself, you don't put... You know, when you're painting your mountains, you don't necessarily put people on them or cars on them or buildings never. on them. No, never. No, never populate them with any no, any human intervention. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think so much goes back to the way we're raised and the families we grow up in. And uh, I, th I think that kind of setting of your values is so vital. Mm. And I think I had parents that were, um, I don't know, very much in love, very adventurous. You know, they left New Zealand and travelled <clears throat> to uh, Europe, Africa. You know, my father's an anthropologist, no, so no. we were constantly kind of yeah. moving around yeah. for field work. And he's also a writer and an academic. So there was always this sense of purpose and, and searching. He's, mm. he's a restless person mm. and I think that's why I've decided to stay put for the rest of my mm. life in Sydney and at Skeggs. <laughs> <laughs> but and there's a sense of search in you as well though, isn't there? Like even though you, you uh, we're talking about you painting landscapes and you like to keep things simple, but would you say just your creativeness comes from a sense of search too, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean it, it is incredible when you find 
just a little moment where you practice or switch into a new stylistic kind mm. of discovery, which has mm. happened this year. I mean, it's, and then you're unstoppable. You've got to pursue that. You've got to go and kind of work that until it's it's kind of got no more to offer and then you move on. So um, it's infinite mm. what can happen, what you can make, what you can discover. Yeah. We've talked a lot about art, but there's something about... I think, you know, I've known you for 21 years. Yeah. And there's something about you which, and this is, I guess, what I was trying to get to. There's something about art and identity and the things you might paint or the things you appreciate. But you're seen here, I think, you know, I know I speak to a lot of kids who see you as quite a, an approachable figure, uh, you know, a warm sort of, don't mind me saying almost like a, a, a relative or a motherly <laughs> figure uh, in that way. So you're very personable. You're very, you, you like people. I think you like people. <laughs> <laughs> very much. You like people. Especially you, Gary. <laughs> oh, that's very kind. You're interested in people. Um, and you talked a lot about how your family influenced your, your creativity. How did your family also... Well, where, where did you get that from? I'm not letting you know, assume that it necessarily came from your family. Do you think that's part of your character? Do you think that's just... Was it modelled mm. to you in some way? It must have been. I think, uh, you know, my mother was a writer um, as well as a teacher of English. Um, she died when I was in my early teens, so right. I think that's obviously had some... Yeah shaped me in some way uh, but I had a fantastic father who kind of just managed the tra it was just two of us for a very long time right. and so I think an open very trusting unconditional love from my father and just very free I think you know, there wasn't I, I think the expectations from my parents were always to be happy that that was the important thing and it's the same I have for my own children that I just want them to be happy and to find something that is fulfilling yeah yeah look Heidi it's always a pleasure to have a conversation <laughs> with you well I'm very um I'm very I feel the same I, I admire you immensely Gary and I think what you do I'm in this podcast just well here we are I mean, <laughs> here we are what a How great did that happen? what a great chance to chat happen? and yeah I think, uh, yeah, it's more conversations like these are, are, are wonderful, taking yeah. the time just to stop and, and chat. Yeah, I really enjoy doing it. But yeah, I learned so much about other people, learned a lot about you that I didn't know. <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to have to download, what, on Spotify, is that it's right? It's on Spotify. <laughs> I've got right. that. Apple Music, all that stuff. So yeah, so thank you very much, Heidi, for spending the time talking today and if anyone has any questions or some feedback let me know I'd love to get that at any time but I hope you're all doing well look forward to seeing you around and take care bye see ya <laughs>